Welcome to the Lionshare Podcast for marketing leaders by marketing leaders. Brought to you by Fidelitas Development. All right, and welcome to the third episode of the Lionshare Marketing Podcast, a podcast for marketing leaders brought to you by marketing leaders, featuring Kyle and myself as co-host. Kyle, it's great to be back for a third episode. You haven't quit yet? I haven't. Not yet. (laughs) So, all right, Kyle, uh, what's in the news today? News team! Okay, so today in the news, we have an article from Digiday, and it is entitled, Publishers See Promise with Instagram Live. Uh, This is really exciting. Instagram Live was just released this last month, Monday, and uh, I know my friends have already been hard at work uh, using this. (laughs) Like I've been getting notice upon notice upon notice on my phone saying that such and such or so-and-so has just gone live. And it's, it's like Facebook Live, but it basically completely disappears after you have a live session. Um, I think this is particularly great for a lot of brands when they're doing behind the scenes, um, when they've got you know maybe um, some influencers that are working with their brand. Um, there's so many applications for this. And I actually tested it out last night with a friend of mine who's a fashion blogger. And she went and used Instagram Live last night. And uh, she was mentioning brands left and right. And it was just a very organic way for her audience to interact with her and the brands that she represents. And I find that to be very fascinating because now this takes influencer marketing to a whole new level. But like I said earlier, brands can also kind of give insight to what's going on behind the scenes um, and answer questions and have uh, you know an interaction with their audience that they may not have been able to have before. I think it's really powerful. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think this was kind of the coming of age for Instagram. Uh, you know, you look at Facebook and the fact that Facebook owns Instagram, uh, you could see the writing on the wall that this feature was going to come down the pipe sooner or later. But, but clearly, it's, you know, people wondering, well, why do I need to do live video on Instagram? I already do live video on Facebook. Well, for the same reason, why do you need to have an Instagram page? If Instagram is where your audience is, you need to engage them there. And live video uh, is going to be a great way to do that. And if uh, Facebook's algorithm is any indicator of how important live video will be on Instagram, uh, you, I, I would be willing to wager that live video will rank better and will get uh, far more impressions for brands on Instagram than a traditional static post does. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, thing that I found fascinating after we were done with the, uh, the live Instagram is that at the end of it, it showed how many people came through during her, you know, her, I'll call it an episode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it showed, and I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 170. And there were questions and comments coming in and interactions between, you know, multiple people watching. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was, it was really great. And it, it just had a different vibe in Facebook Live. So I think, once again, we'll wait and see what the numbers do. But uh, this gives 
brands a whole new way to interact either through influencers or, you know, on their own profiles. And speaking of numbers, uh, who knows how accurate they are? I'm sure Instagram is going to have the same reporting uh, challenges that Facebook does, uh, which, by the way, we talked about that already, didn't we, Kyle? We did talk about that. Way back in episode one. And if you're not a subscriber, just hit that subscribe button and download that and make sure you listen to the first official episode. If you want to skip episode zero, the little teaser, that's okay. But uh, other than there is a really good dad joke in there, go back and uh, maybe maybe fast forward to the end and get the dad joke out of it. But otherwise, make sure you listen to episode one and uh, we talk more about uh, Facebook and some of their uh, statistical challenges that they have. Uh, but, but you're right, Kyle. I think uh, Instagram Live is a total game changer, and uh, especially for uh, influencers that figure out how to use it and use it well and incorporate brands in a seemingly organic way. I think those are the ones that will really benefit from it the most. And all Lionshare Marketing Podcast episodes are brought to you by Fidelitas Development. Uh, make sure to check out fidelitasdevelopment.com uh, sometime when you're stationary, not driving. And... Uh, Give us a look. In the meantime, uh, let's get to today's interview with our good friend, Jeff Cash. All right. And today we want to welcome Jeff Cash to this edition of the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. Jeff is the e-commerce marketing manager for Newell Group, uh, which uh, is the maker of fine products like ball mason jars, which I'm pretty sure everyone has had and possibly uh, drank a fine beverage out of by now. Then also, uh, and then Jeff, uh, before he worked at Newell, uh, was in, in marketing at Horizon Hobby as well. So Jeff has a lot of experience on the uh, digital marketing front, and we're excited to have him share with us today. So Jeff, welcome to the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. Tyler, Kyle, thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Great. I just realized, can I just say this really quickly, that I, I didn't even plan this. I'm drinking out of a ball mason jar right now. I just looked Boom. at to make sure I'm actually, I'm drinking tea out of a ball mason jar, sweet tea. So, <laughs> See, I, I, you, you haven't realized this yet, but that was socially engineered um, because I'm such an amazing digital marketer that, that this is all part of the plan. Uh, well, I, I'm definitely a victim to your plan. So <laughs> don't worry. We'll send you the invoice for product placement later. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. So, so, so Jeff, tell us more about, tell us, tell us more about your role at Newell group specifically. Sure. So, um, so I joined the Newell group in order to help the Jardin branch of the business basically discover a uh, direct to consumer channel uh, for a number of their, of their brands. The first brand that we're, that we're starting with is the, the fresh preserving brand, which, you know, as, as Kyle has mentioned, encompasses both ball mason jars and Kerr, uh, mason jars and, and some other products as well. So, so really the goal is to help, you know, really get this in front of consumers, really offer them the full brand experience through the site and, and make sure that they have the full assortment available to them at the ready. Awesome. awesome. Good, good, good deal. And, and so tell us more uh, about on the, on, the, on the email side. I know you've mentioned you've, you've seen a lot of success there. So what, what's working for Newell and Jarden on the email side of things? So, so specifically towards um, towards fresh preserving, email is a great way to distribute a message, whether it be um, a new recipe that we have. Recipes are uh, really the rich content elements of the site. So there's, you know, related to the products of mason jars, you know, the traditional form is this this uh, this canning form, which is food preservation. 
um, which like 200 years ago used to be a necessity for, for families. You know, they wanted to survive the winter. They had to can uh, the food from their gardens in the spring. And really, it's kind of transcended for it. it it's definitely that, of course. But, um, you know, as, as Kyle mentioned, you know, there's a significant movement with beverage wear and um and people using them for crafting items like they're very popular for wedding centerpieces and, and things like that. So so really getting these ideas in front of the consumer, really showing them the the range, if you will, of these simple glass jars is, is really fun. And it's, and it's a great way to, to go through email because it's uh, there's the visual elements of I can show you how to, how to use the product. How do you reach out to your audience in order to make sure that they're part of the email like subscription? How, how do you get in touch with them in that way? We leverage a couple things. We leverage um, some, some small base grassroots kind of signups. We, we encourage people that are visiting the site to sign up for our, for our newsletter. And really, this is because the, the lion's share of the traffic that's coming to the site now in which we just re-platform. So, so the site before was not an e-commerce site. It just hosted uh, recipe content. Mm-hmm. Um, so just ways for people to, to use the product. And we've uh, since introduced a cart. So now, you know, we have this conversion element where we can merchandise the product alongside the content. Um, so it's, it's really, you know, it's, this, it's a gentle spin of, you know, these people that are, are consumers that are expecting to see, expecting to read about um, recipes and then we're going to position products uh, in the best balance that we can. That's great. I, so I've, I've seen that before where, you know, you have um, a piece of content that adds a lot of value to, you know, whoever's reading it. And then, you know, here's steps one through five, do this, 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 and this, and here's everything you need in order to do this. Just hit add to cart. Is that right? basically where that's going? Yeah, and there's um, and there's some like Demandware, which is a platform that we're using, allows for some um, you know product bundling that makes that very easy um, for us to position. And then our um, uh, email service provider Bronto is outstanding um, in serving kind of hyper targeted content or product to consumers. Okay, what was that? What was that service? Uh, Bronto. So now, w- once you get um, your audience you know to the website. What are like, what, how are you tracking them? Like, what are you tracking in analytics to, you know, to make sure they're behaving in the way that you'd like them to behave or what are you noticing? What are the trends that you're noticing? Um, so, so really the, you know, obviously the, the thing that you really want to see is they hit your landing page or more specifically your product page and they move as quickly as possible um, through any content that you've positioned within your pipeline uh, into a conversion. So essentially like if I want to send somebody to, let's say a recipe for jalapeno jelly, um, I want to have well positioned uh, the items that it would be possible for them to manufacture uh, jalapeno jelly, you know, minus the fresh produce, which they would either buy at a store or make in their, or grow in their garden. Uh, and in such a compelling way that they'll be like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this right now. Um, yeah. you know, how fast can I get this in my cart and move on? Um, <clears throat> and so that's really the ultimate goal is, is just make sure that the content that you're serving via email is first compelling enough to click through to the site. And then the expectation is managed once they hit the product page and then boom, you know, it's right there. And then, and then boom, conversion. So I'm not a huge fan of um, of dropping people off, uh, you know, on the site to just essentially explore, especially in pointed content like email. Like get them in, give them what they want, meet their expectations, and hopefully they'll convert. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And, and Jeff, you mentioned you just went through a replatforming. T- tell us, how, tell us what your experience there was like. 
Uh, it was it it was definitely it was definitely interesting. Um, I kind of came in at the tail end of it, so um, so a lot of the work had been done, and then it was basically optimizing some of the decisions that were made within the implementation process. Like, you know, we you know obviously there were plenty of bugs, um, just like any any other uh, implementation. So you know, even you know six months later, we're do we're still dealing with a few of them. Um, but I mean, it's a it's a massive undertaking. I've done it before. I did it with um, I was involved with a group in Horizon Hobby that did it, and uh, it can't it can't be understated how how large that is for an organization. Um, you know, and the appreciation that actually goes into uh, you know starting from scratch or building on something that you already have. I mean, it's a it's it's a dark and murky path potentially, and and um, selecting a partner uh, for that um, is very important to to guide you through for sure. Oh, without question. So the, no, you that's a that's a spot on assessment, and really that's been our experience too with the platform or, or with re platforming is, you know, you know, ideally, you know. Obviously, Fidelitas wants to be the partner, but for anyone to have success, like you've got to have a great partner, regardless of who that is. Like, right. you have someone, you've got to have someone that's going to uh, step in there and uh, get their hands dirty because there's no, and I think you, you said it best, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect platform, right? Like even when you, right. when you thought you were done, you had bugs you had to work out. So I think that's great for our audience to remember if they're considering replatforming is make sure that you can be thorough. How many, it's out of curiosity, how many of, how, how many rounds of revisions were there after the, the final version of the site was sent over for approval? <laughs> um, so, so like I said, I jumped in super late, but I would say that the revisions continue uh, a, a little bit. I mean, there's nothing um, with the platform that's out of the box. It, it kind of reminds me of when you hear um, technology partners like, um, you know, software partners that say, you know, hey, implementation's easy. It's just going to be a, you know, a piece of JavaScript and just a little, you know, implement. It's like, no, no, no. It's always a lot more complicated than that. And especially with, with something as massive as your foundation uh, in your e-commerce platform, there's just a lot of different flags that have to be flipped just the right way in order to make things go. Um, I know that the particular challenge, uh, you know, really with any platform is in order management system, um, just you know, how that can integrate in depending on how old, um, either an ERP or you know, like as something as modern as SAP, you know, plugs into a system can be really challenging um, and to eat up a lot of time. Indeed. Indeed. So tell, tell me, so how does, uh, and obviously I know you said you're fairly new in your role uh, with, with uh, Newell Group, but tell us more about how, how, does, how does your new role compare to your time at uh, Horizon Hobby? Um, so Horizon, um, Horizon was actually a very mature organization when it came to um, just selling directly to consumer because because we had to be the uh, the landscape with um, radio controlled models uh, online was was incredible. Um, there's some of the best um, uh, e-commerce retailers I think in existence, you know, outside of the mega megas like you know Amazon and Walmart that live in the e-commerce space. I mean, guys is willing to to really push the envelope in order to get their their product across to consumers and. Um, I really, I really credit Horizon uh, a ton in the fact that they were so nimble to keep up with with trends. Um, now that said, you know that's not that's not like Newell is not um, a flexible group. In fact, they very, very much are. Um, but it's just the uh, it's just the, basically starting from zero. So there's no sales history with this group. Like I mentioned, I mean they're introducing um, a DTC model. Um, so there's just so much learning, you know, that you try to apply from. Okay, well we did this three years ago and it worked really well. Well, let's try it with this consumer base. 
And, um, and it's just some stuff works and, and some stuff doesn't. And it, and it really boils down to, you know, what's really important um, and what's really important to keep in mind as, a, as an e-commerce marketing manager is you always got to be testing. You got to be making sure that, you know, that your playbook stays fresh because what worked for you yesterday might not necessarily work for you today, um, which, has been, which has been a real fun challenge uh, for me personally, to be honest. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, you're absolutely right about. Uh, right about that, you know, what's working now is a is a common theme that I hear, you know, across the board. What's working now in whatever industry? Uh, so you you also you also do a lot with uh, paid ads, paid media. What what would you say are some of your biggest marketing challenges when it comes to either paid search, display ads, retargeting? So I would say just just essentially keeping up with um, just just with the changes. Um, and I know that though, so like six months ago, Google introduced uh, they essentially ripped the right rail out of the advertising and stacked everything up. And you know that was all well and good. It did make things a little bit more um, uh, competitive for advertisers in the space. Um, you know the key is to just to stick with it and keep evolving with your ad groups. Um, I've actually likened uh, the paid space to you know it's almost like the money markets. It's almost like Wall Street where where, you know, you got to keep an eye on the stuff because you assume that a certain keyword or ad campaign is going to do is going to do well and meet this meet this budget criteria. But without either a steady eye or some you know technology partners partners or an agency, you know, it's easy for that stuff to get away from you. And depending on you know your your offering as a retailer or manufacturer, like meaning you know your SKU count or product offering, I mean that can be substantial. Um, you know, if you're offering sixty five thousand SKUs. You know, and 10% of those start fluctuating. Um, you know, if you don't have your eye on the ball, I mean, it's going to cost you a lot of money, either in the amount of money you're paying for the, the actual ad placements or the loss in product revenue. Right. So what kind of, what kind of advice could you give to other marketing managers who are looking to create good habits for themselves in order to stay on top of things? Like, what do you do personally to make sure that you're flowing the right way? So I'm lucky enough to work with um, work with some agency groups to help me manage this. I mean, um, you know, I've I've spent my time in the trenches, uh, you know, uh, pulling the switches and and AdWords platforms before, and I'm glad to be kind of stepped out of that, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest. But I will say this: so as long as there's routine touch bases with the group, whether it be an agency partner, whether it be a a marketing associate or marketing manager that's handling the account, it's always something that you want to keep your eye on um, because you can recognize trends. Just like in anything that we do as digital marketers, you know, the I think the reason that, that makes the the good ones stand out is because they constantly keep their eye on the ball and they can recognize trends, you know, before and as they're happening. And it's the same with paid. Um, it's definitely it's definitely like that with paid, where you know, a, uh, an eye on the ball is going to pay off. Um, uh, in the long run. Right. Uh, without, without question, Jeff. And, and so, uh, what would you say are your, are your marketing priorities moving into 2017? So moving into 2017, I, I want to do a better job um, with social traffic. I want to do a better job in, in, in nurturing the social traffic onto uh, my web properties. I want to do a better job in segmenting my email groups. Um, I really want to do a better job in serving those email groups creative that's uber re- uh, relevant to to their interests. Um, I want to make sure that my that my retargeting spend is is super optimized against my traffic. I think that um, one of the uh, thing that causes heartburn uh, with remarketing is um, 
the inability to turn off ads once people have, you know, either purchased a product or expressed interest that, you know, they were looking for a friend to use their computer and they're still getting the ad six months later. Um, I'd love to recover some of that spend on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't sure. know. There's, there's tons of, uh, and then obviously, you know, I'd like to get better at, um, you know, uh, the overall site experience for, for my site. I want to have, you know, people have a better experience. I don't think anybody can ever be finished with making their site better for the, for the consumer. Yeah, Kyle claims that the Water Wings ads that he keeps getting retargeted with are for a friend, but we, we all know the truth is that he just can't swim. So we got to start somewhere. Uh, yeah, uh, just terrible. Like the dog, the doggy paddles. I'm still working on that. Even. <laughs> oh my. So 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 Jeff, uh, what what are you? Uh, well, obviously. You know, you mentioned everything changes very quickly. What are you reading and listening to to kind of stay on top of everything? So, so I I, um, I listen to podcasts. Uh, I think podcasts are great. It's definitely good to even the big ones and the small ones alike. Um, it'd be it'd be you'd be surprised, you know, what you can learn from you know people that have been at the helm for ten years or or people that are just starting up. Um, I think um, you know. Internet retailer and multi-channel merchants are great. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. I love listening to my network. I think that um, you know LinkedIn is much more than just a, a repository of resumes. It's, there's a lot of people sharing a lot of good ideas on there that, that can get overlooked. Um, but yeah, I, I try to listen to as many channels as possible. Uh, very, very good. And are you, are you reading anything that kind of sticks out right now? I'm reading actually something that's not necessarily related to e-commerce, but I actually just picked up a book called The Toyota Way, um, which is a variant of um, Lean Six Sigma uh, that deals all with um, essentially companies trying to optimize their, um, just optimize themselves. Uh, basically, it relates to two core principles. Um, one is continuous improvement, and the other is um, the, the people are your best asset. And it's been, it's been fascinating um, so far. That sounds great. That's that's interesting. That book's been on my list for a while, and I haven't made the purchase yet. So I'm I'm glad you you, you put it back. Yeah, pick it up. Mind. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Right. that's awesome. And uh, Jeff, any, any, otherwise, anything uh, cool, new, or exciting coming down the pipe for for for, for you guys over at Newell Group? Um, I will. So I will say this. So I'm uh, I'm really digging the. Um, so I'm jumping into the affiliate channel a lot more so than I've done so at other companies. And uh, and there's been some really interesting technology partners. I'm not going to plug anybody specifically, but the affiliate channel is always something that I've struggled with in the past. Um, one because of its kind of checkered history, but that's way far gone at this point. Um, but a, like a properly run, run affiliate channel um, is is going to pay off uh, big time for for brand manufacturers like myself in the future. Um, it's something that I, I would hope that any marketing manager would look into the affiliate channel who hasn't or has dismissed it in the past. Um, it's, it's, it's super powerful. And there's probably a lot of people that would listen to me say that and be like, yeah, this guy is way late to the party. And I am, I am. Um, so affiliate channel, I'm a big fan of exploiting the affiliate channel uh, in 2017. Okay, great. Have you had any wins there yet or still too early get, getting going? Yeah, you know, we have, um, you know, and it's all about, I think my original thought was, you know, we'll jump in, we're just going to sign up everybody that we possibly can under the sun. You know, if we have 10,000 affiliates, you know, that's probably not enough, but that's not the case. And I think any any decent affiliate marketing manager would say the same thing. It's all about quality over quantity. Sure. Um, but it's these, you know, I, I consider myself 
I knew a little bit about digital marketing before, but I was super um, ignorant to this space and um, and just a lot of learnings, a lot of quick learnings, uh, responsible to turn this channel into something profitable. And actually, um, not not to say specific numbers or anything, but um, the affiliate channel has now outpaced um, our social revenue um, after about six months in operations. So that's wow. impressive. Wow. Yeah. So for a digital uh, marketing manager, how would you suggest they get started? Like say they're not doing anything in affiliates uh, with affiliates. How, how would you suggest that they get started? Where, where do they go to, to find out more information or, you know, learn how to get this implemented? So I would, um, so the, the way that I got started was through, um, so probably the most established partner uh, in the affiliate space is Commission Junction, mm-hmm. um, which has just changed their name recently to CJ.com. And they offer a lot of, um, a lot of materials on how to get started as a, as a um, affiliate, but I would almost sign up as a publisher first. So, so sign up as somebody like just as a blog and just see what they what that experience looks like um, to the people that you'll be leveraging in the affiliate space and, uh, and really learn the ins and outs of how they're going to find you, how they're going to leverage your um, commission terms. uh, And then after you get comfortable in that space with learning how, you know, the vast majority of your um, uh, affiliate group will, will, will interact with you, then go set up an account, um, you know, as a, as the, as the affiliate partner. So that's great advice. Awesome. And Jeff, what, what goes into a great site merchandising strategy? A great, Ooh, that's a good question. Um, definitely a, uh, a combined effort with, um, you know, knowing exactly what your marketing manager is doing. I think that, um, I remember back at horizon, um, I spent, uh, I spent about six hours of every day with the merchandising manager, just making sure that, you know, what I was planning from an external marketing activity was going to line up with what he was, planning for the experience on the site because um, you know as we all know like the if the consumer is, is seeing my advertising out and then they click through to the site they land on the site and it meets the expectation then boom they're going to be uh, they're going to be well on their way to a potential conversion um, but I think definitely a mix of I think definitely a mix of, um, of both a marketing message and a rich content value to that consumer so, so giving them, you know, if you are a retailer, if you are a manufacturer that sells, you know, providing uh, consumers with something outside of just pure product information is going to take you, you know, miles. So, so if it's educational information about your products and how to use them, or if it's just industry news, um, you know, any sort of um, non-product related content is always super important to consumers because it builds trust. That's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. And and Jeff, we want to be respectful of your time here today, but it's been so great having you on. One thing we try to get from all of our guests is the one big thing. So basically, if someone's been half paying attention while they're driving or uh, trying to get their kids to quit fighting or walking their dog or they're on the treadmill in the gym, as as we wrap up this show, uh, if, if everyone had just one key takeaway to take away from our time together today, what would you want that to be? Always be testing and never be lazy. So don't, you know, what what you did yesterday might not necessarily work for you tomorrow. Make sure you're constantly keeping your programs in check and making sure that they're converting at the level that they should be. Great advice. And I'm going to, uh, 
just just go ahead and add, add, add an emphasis on never be lazy. I think way too many people fall into a set it and forget it mindset when it comes to digital sometimes. So that's great to hear. Jeff, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the Lionshare Marketing Podcast. Tyler, Kyle, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you. And that concludes our interview with Jeff Cash. All right. And thanks again to Jeff for that wonderful interview and uh, a lot of great insights there from an e-commerce standpoint. But before uh, we wrap up, Kyle, I've got to ask you a question. What's your question, Tyler? Why did the naughty leads phone ring at one in the morning? Why did the naughty leads phone ring at one in the morning? I don't know. For a booty call to action. <laughs> Actually, that that's that's funny. I think that's funny. All right, and that'll do it for uh, this episode of the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. There's more coming, so make sure you subscribe to us in iTunes. And if you find what we're doing useful, leave us a review. If you hate it, please don't. Uh, but we are grateful for your time and uh, attention. And until next time, uh, this is the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. Cheers. You've been listening to the Lion Share Podcast, brought to you by Fidelitas Development, your marketing partner for better brand loyalty.